This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity in Houston, Texas, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America. Please join us for worship on Sundays at 8, 9, and 11.15, and visit us online at holytrinityrec.org. Enjoy the sermon. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. In today's gospel lesson, um, St. John tells us that the changing of the water in, in, uh, to wine at Cana was, uh, in some versions, it says the beginning of miracles. Uh, in our reading today, it said a sign, which is actually probably a more accurate term. Um, it was the first sign that manifested forth Jesus' glory as the Son of God. <clears throat> Sometimes we think of these miracles as something that happens outside natural processes or laws that operate on their own. A miracle is thought to occur when those laws or processes are suspended or altered. Uh, The misunderstanding is the belief that there is such a thing as a natural process that exists independently of God's word and will. For example, we tend to think of childbirth as a natural process. A man and woman come together, they conceive a child, the child grows naturally in the womb, is born, and and lives their life. Uh, We think of the virgin birth of Jesus as a miracle because no human father was involved in the conceiving. But the truth is that every conception and birth is miraculous. The only good explanation for why that series of things produces a human baby is that God wills it to be so each and every time. The making of wine could also be understood as occurring as a result of a natural process. However, it could also be understood as a miracle. There is no particular reason that grapes harvested and crushed mixed with water should ferment and age into an enjoyable beverage. You might well say, it takes a lot of human effort to create this miracle. So, it, you know, not really. Uh, that, it is true, but it might just as well be true that you do all those same things and nothing is produced remote, remotely like wine. And if we look at what the writer of Hebrews says, in Hebrews 1, verses 2 and 3, he says, In these last days God has spoken to us through his Son, by whom also he made the worlds, who is the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. Now these last words uh, that say upholding all, that he upholds all things by the word of his power suggest that things like winemaking are not just natural processes, but things willed by the word of God each and every time they occur. God wills that the same actions will normally produce the same miraculous result. But there is no law apart from God that says it must be so. The miracle at Cana wasn't just that water was changed into wine, because water is always used when wine is made. The sign at Cana was that the miracle was instantaneous rather than a result of a longer sequence of of mixing grapes and wine and uh, water and human labor, <clears throat> and even in the miracle in the miracle of the uh, 
changing the water into wine, there was some human labor because he told the, the uh, servants to fill the jars. The thing is, is that God commanded and the servants obeyed and transformation of ordinary water into wine occurred instantly, not over a period of years as it normally does. The correspondence between the natural processes and miracles helps us understand the work that God is doing in our lives. We sometimes desire extraordinary miracles and discount the ordinary miracles. We miss the miraculous daily presence of God in our lives because we might seek a special sign. And we miss the biggest miracle of our lives in God's daily redemptive presence in all, our th- all things. Uh, in Romans 8.28, St. Paul tells us that God works in all things for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So when we look back at what has happened in our lives, we'll discover that God has continually brought his good out of our brokenness and evil. The biggest miracle is not some singular intervention. It is God's continuous work of new creation in us. He keeps bringing his order and beauty out of our chaos. So the main difference that we see between ordinary and extraordinary miracles is the element of time. It would have been no big deal for Jesus to change water into wine over a two-year period, but he didn't do that. He did it in a moment. The growth of a tree is not a noteworthy miracle unless someone just speaks and a seed becomes a tree instantaneously. So the Christian hope uh, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is described in extraordinary terms. It says, Christ will appear, the dead will be raised, and will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Uh, now that's got a wow factor to it. Uh, we'll just instantly be changed. But also, St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.16 that our outward man is perishing, but the inward man is renewed day by day. So what's the difference between the first, the resurrection on the last day, and what is happening to us right now day by day? The answer is time. God will then accomplish in a moment what he is now accomplishing in us gradually. Don't you think it's impossible to fully embrace his future hope unless we experience the current miracle because they're parts of the same thing? So if we have a sacramental view of life, we not only see God's miraculous presence in the ordinary, but we should also consider preferring it to the spectacular. Uh, Jesus said that those that seek a sign are, you know, they're blinded. In fact, it was something that upset him quite a bit and made him impatient and angry with those that continually demanded to see a sign. We betray our spiritual blindness when we demand extraordinary miracles but miss the ordinary miracles of creation and redemption that surround us every day. We come to church and we hear, this is my body which is given for you. This is my blood of the New Testament which was shed for you. Perhaps we pay less attention to this because it recurs so frequently, but to us as Christians, this is always the manifestation or the epiphany of the incarnation, cross, and resurrection of our Lord. 
So when we feed by faith on this miracle food, our bodies are cleansed and our souls are washed. Now, the change is not always immediately evident because it occurs over time and involves ordinary miracles. As we live in Christ for days, months, years, and decades, the change becomes more visible. So if we look at the uh, epistle lesson today, uh, it tells us and instructs us how to respond to evil. And that, that the way, what it tells us to do is not our natural inclination. And it's pretty much impossible to do. He says, avenge not yourselves, but give place unto wrath. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Don't, overcome, don't be over, overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And as we live in Christ over time, we learn to respond to evil this way. God heals our wounds with the, his, uh, the medicine of his immortality and fills us with himself. He teaches us how to forgive and, and enables us to love. This change is no less a miracle because it takes a long time to see it. And so we hope for the day when Jesus will change us in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, But for now, he manifests forth his glory through the ordinary miracle of restoring the image of God in us by his grace and power through prayer over time. Amen.